This is God's word for me today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 if you want to start looking that up. But this morning, I wonder how many have ever felt like they're just not big enough. Maybe it's somebody picking on you. Maybe it's circumstances here or there, or maybe you're thinking in the spiritual realm this morning, sometimes you just don't feel like you're enough. Well, let me tell you, this morning it doesn't really matter what we think we are, because we serve a God who makes us big enough. You know, you, you watch some of these workout things, you know, and you see all these people with these, you know, muscles and and all that, you know, I think that's gross anyway, all the muscles, you know, who wants, who wants all that? Um, but, we, we <laughs> okay, um, but, but we do sometimes, we do things in an effort to feel big enough, and I want us to understand this morning that God can make us big enough. We, we try to do things many times in our own earthly efforts and our own earthly circumstances to try to get there, but as I believe the Holy Spirit's already been leading us this morning, we, just, we need to submit to Him. We need, we need to let Him to help us to be what we need to be for the circumstance that we're in. And if we'll trust in Him, I believe that He can do that for us. This morning we're in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to talk about a very familiar passage, one that I've preached on, one that you've probably heard lots of other preachers preach on. Starting at verse 1, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through, speaking of Jesus. And behold, there was a name, man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He was a little fella. Can anybody relate to that this morning, being too small, too short, now to see? So listen, he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, remember that. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Lord, this morning I thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that you would anoint our minds this morning, anoint our ears, anoint our hearts today, Lord, that we would be able to receive the word that you are bringing to us today. God, help us to, re to receive and to respond. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't, you know, of course the scripture doesn't tell us how tall Zacchaeus was, but evidently he was fairly short. Maybe five feet taller or shorter. We don't know. But just in the context of what's taking place, we know he was short. But we also in this story see that 
his stature was not his biggest problem. His stature was not something that Jesus needed to address. His stature was not the problem in his life at this point. See, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in Jericho. So not only was he a bad guy, he was the chief of the bad guys. Not only did people dislike him, they hated him. They hated him because Zacchaeus was a Jew who was working for the Romans. And above and beyond working for the Romans, he was cheating the Jews. <laughs> so he was a super bad guy. Because not only was he against his people working for the Romans, but he was against his people cheating them and stealing from them. Why? Because he could. He had the opportunity, and he could, and so he did. He chose. He wasn't forced. He chose to cheat his own people. He chose to put himself into that place to where he was a hated person. And because of it, he was rich. Oh, man, isn't it worth it? Huh? Isn't it worth it? Man, look at all the stuff I got because I just cheated the system a little bit. I just, I just did what I wasn't supposed to, and yet, you know, hey, I got a little bit of, I, I'm rich now. It's all worth it, right? Unfortunately, in today's mindset, many times we overlook what's right and wrong just simply for gain. Not always monetary, but for gain. You see, a lot of times when there are rich people, we want to kind of hang around them. You never know what kind of crumbs might fall off their table, right? <laughs> but in Zacchaeus', Zacchaeus case, that wasn't it. Nobody wanted to be around him because they all hated him. The only ones that wanted to be around him were the other tax collectors, the other cheaters, the other rich people. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He didn't have any real friends. He just simply existed and he was rich. And so he probably felt like, man, I've got it all. You know, this is great. But we see, as we see in this story, that there's something else going on in Zacchaeus' life. A tax collector could legally stop you on the road and say, hey, what do you got in your bag? Ooh, that's worth some cash. Give me some tax money for that. And as we talked about, I think we talked about uh, last Sunday we were just chatting and talked about how sometimes the game warden will stop you over and over and over. He doesn't get any money from you, but it's an annoyance because every time he sees you, he, I was telling him how my brother, he fished, used to fish all the time, and, and every time the game warden saw him, he stopped him. He checked everything he had, including his license. And it, it didn't matter if he just saw it yesterday. He's going to check it again today. Kind of an annoyance. you know? Can you imagine every time you're going down the road and you might see Zacchaeus set up down the road and you're thinking, oh, again? I got to stop again and I got to give more again and I don't really have it and yet he has by the government he can do whatever he wants. You see the tax collector was got most of his money not on actual wages but on the extra that he would get because he cheated people. You see he wasn't satisfied with just the wage that he could get by being maybe he had to be a tax collector so he could 
live and, and eat. And, but that wasn't the case with Zacchaeus. He went above and beyond that, and that's where he got his wealth. All of his wealth was gained by cheating. Robbers, murderers, and tax collectors were all thrown in the same bucket when they talk about them in the Bible. Robbers, murderers, and politicians, <laughs> tax collectors, all of those kind were the ones that they threw in a barrel and said, oh man, these are all the bad people. They, they, yeah, they, these are the ones that we dislike. These are the ones that we consider sinners. Why? Because even the tax collectors are cheating their own people. And so they lump them all in the same thing. But you know, that wasn't the end of Zacchaeus' story. You see, when we find Zacchaeus in the, in the Scripture, we don't find that he got left in that situation. Because something, as I alluded to earlier, something was stirring in his heart. Something was stirring in it. He had heard something from somebody about someone. Somebody had planted a seed that he had heard that there was a man named Jesus. And this man was doing some extraordinary things. This man is healing the sick. He's raising the dead. This man is doing all kinds of things. And Zacchaeus, something was stirring in him. And he said, I want to see this man. I want to see what this man is doing, what he's up to, what, what he's capable of maybe. You see, we don't really know why, but we know what was taking place in Jesus' ministry, and we know that there were a lot of things. So, you know, Zacchaeus was interested. Maybe it was Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples that was also had been a tax collector. Maybe he had rubbed elbows with Zacchaeus, and, and Zacchaeus saw a change in his friend Matthew. His, and, and so Zacchaeus was thinking, maybe, maybe there is something to this. Maybe there is something. If, if Zacchaeus had not seen a change in Matthew, maybe he would have thought, hmm, just another one of them groupies. That's why it's important as Christians to act like Christians, to live like Christians, so that when people see us, they see we're not just a bunch of churchgoers, but they see there's something real in us. They see there's something genuine. We're Christ followers, not churchgoers. That's so much more important. You see, we don't hear anything in here about Zacchaeus having a family. I don't. It doesn't mean he doesn't. But he probably doesn't have many friends. He was probably fairly lonely and searching for something to fulfill his life. And what we see is, as Zacchaeus began to contemplate all this, he realized that he was too short to see over the crowd. He was a small guy in a big person's world, I guess, and he knew that there was no way he was even going to get a glimpse of Jesus. And at this point, he was just his thought was, I want to see him. And so he had to come up with a plan. Verse 5, it said, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must go to your house today. You see, Zacchaeus decided, I have to come up with a plan, and I have to take off. And I have to run ahead of the crowd, 
and I have to find some place. He finds a sycamore tree, and he climbs up in the tree, and he finally gets to see the man he's been longing to see. And then Jesus stuns the crowd when he says, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. We don't know how... Had Jesus heard Zacchaeus' name, and if he had, it probably wasn't on good terms. <laughs> but when he saw, he looked up, and, and Jesus coming down the street, I can, I can envision Jesus being... We, and we talk about this on Wednesday nights. We talk about how sometimes Jesus did things for effect. Jesus did things to get people's attention. Jesus did things so that people would take notice. He might walking down the street, you know, and thinking, man, I know Zacchaeus is up there in that tree, and I can't wait to get there because, man, am I going to make a stir now. <laughs> I am going to stir the water. And he comes trot, walking down the road, and he's, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down here, buddy. I'm going to your house. Now, I don't know what you guys would think if I just said, hey, you know, Brent, hope lunch is good today because I'm eating with you, brother. <laughs> Well, maybe anybody else, do I have a better offer? <laughs> That's, oh boy, he don't know me very well, do he? Anyway, I, I don't know what was going through Jesus' mind, but I, I know Jesus, when he, you know, he was walking down the street and Zacchaeus really wanted to see Jesus, so Zacchaeus did, all, did what he could do, and Jesus came by. And then what happened among the people? Verse 7, it says, And when they saw it, they all grumbled. Can you believe the pastor is going to Brent's house to eat ramen noodles? <laughs> I got ribs at my house. Who, who would that be? <laughs> Debbie, plant, Debbie planted that seed in Sunday school this morning. Shame on her saying rib. Adam got thrown under the bus for that one too. But anyway... But they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So we see here that not only did Zacchaeus want to see Jesus, the next step we see is Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. You see, I believe that if we read the Scripture, we see that, that Jesus wants to see each one of us. And not just as he's looked down from heaven, yeah, I see those 50 or 60 people but he wants to come to your house for dinner. He wants to have an intimate fellowship at your place, in your life. And then he invited himself over for dinner. Now, we don't see Jesus doing this any other place to this point in the Scripture, but we see that Jesus wanted to spend time with Zacchaeus. Again, maybe Jesus was just wanting to have the last laugh at, at all the religious leaders of the day and all the people that just didn't thought, thought only certain people were going to heaven, you know, the, those of us who, you know, dress just right and we act just right and we only break the commandments that we want to break, you know. Unfortunately, that's the way the Pharisees acted. They, they broke, they, they didn't live according to the word except for in the areas that showed the most, you know, many times. But four things as we see this visit between Jesus and Lazarus. The first thing in verse 6, when Jesus told Lazarus what was taking place, verse 6 says, So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Something 
was happening in, in Zacchaeus' life. Something, did I said Lazarus, didn't I? I just thought in my mind, did I just say Lazarus? I did. See, you never know what's going to come out. Zacchaeus. Now, we're in Zacchaeus. Something was happening in his life that caused him with excitement when, he, when Jesus spoke that. Can you imagine? He's like, whoa, I just wanted to see him. Now all of a sudden he's coming to my house. And unlike Brent, he was excited that I was coming to his house, or Jesus was coming to his house. He's coming to my house, so Zacchaeus climbs down the tree and he runs off, excited. He's going to go make some preparations. Why? Because Jesus, this man that he's heard so much about, this man that is causing such a stir, is coming to my house. I don't know that Zacchaeus quite yet grasped what was about to take place in the next few scriptures. I don't know that Zacchaeus quite grasped what, what, what the Holy Spirit was going to do in his life. Maybe he would have ran the other way which is what we do sometimes when we get a sense of what God wants to do. But Zacchaeus was excited. It brought him joy that Jesus was coming to his house for dinner. So this morning, as, as we were worshiping and as the Lord was speaking about, about lordship, sometimes when we realize that we need to give up lordship of our lives, do we get joyful and excited? Or do we get nervous and afraid? Do we say, yes, Lord, I'm willing? Or do we say, oh, wait a minute, Lord, I, I got plans for that part of my life. At this point, Zacchaeus was so excited that he's just, he just, with reckless, I had a coach in football, Dave Dione. He always talked about reckless abandon. And as a linebacker, that, that was part of the fun part of being a linebacker. Reckless abandon. Just going for it with all you have. And sometimes God calls us just to let go and go for it. The enemy is going to put up a fuss and the enemy is going to put up a struggle, but sometimes the Lord just wants us to bust through that and just go after what He has for us. And we get nervous and afraid, but Zacchaeus was excited. This is part is one of the most exciting to me this morning after, after worship, after, after being in the presence of the Lord and, and hearing what I felt the Lord laying on my heart, knowing that this was in my sermon this morning. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. In verse 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. I'm going to stop there for a minute. Something had just taken place in Zacchaeus' life, that he didn't expect. He went from desiring to just see this man named Jesus to then making the next step and saying, not only is this man Jesus, but now he's my Lord. You see, that's a step that sometimes we find so hard to make. Even as Christians, we, we find that step to say, oh, I want this thing to happen in my life. I want Jesus to do this, and I want Jesus to do that. And, and, and Jesus oh, I'm ready. Make me Lord of that area. Make me Lord. Say, yes, you can do whatever you want, and I will do that. But too often we say, oh, that's not, yes, yes, yeah, well, I don't know about that, Lord. 
Not right now. Not ready for that. So it's a conscious decision that we make. Whether or not we will let him be Lord. You see, Zacchaeus here, he said, Behold, Lord. Now he goes on. This is what, this is what we find to be so amazing about this transformation. Zacchaeus, he, had, he, he confirms Christ as Lord, and then he says, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He's putting some legs behind his proclamation. Not only is he saying, oh yes, Lord, he's singing, oh Lord, 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 and then walking out and forgetting all about that, but he's saying, Lord, Here's what I'm going to do because of what you have done or what you are doing in my life. I'm giving half of everything I got. Just to start with, he gives half of everything to the poor. Now that's just the beginning, but think about it. I, and think about the order in which he does these two things. This is even more amazing. Because first he says, I give half of everything I have to the poor. And then he says... If I've cheated anybody of anything, I'm going to give them fourfold from what I've cheated. He evidently had good books because he knew that he had cheated and he says, every person that I've cheated, I'm going to pay back four times. Now listen, here's what, one of the things I find really amazing. He didn't start off with, I'm going to give everybody back four times what I've stolen from them and then out of what's left, I'm going to give half to the poor. You think, well, what's the difference? It's a big difference. If you have $1,000 and you know that you've cheated some people and you're going to have to give them some money back and so that's going to add up to about 500 So then you say, well, first of all, I'm going to give half away. So now you're down to 500 And then you're going to give math, you know. You're, you've got a whole lot less, like in that case, zero. But, you know... He could have said, Lord, first of all, I'm going to give the people back that I stole from, and then I'm going to give half away. But that wasn't what he did. You see, up until this point in Zacchaeus' life, money, Rome, riches had been his Lord. Power and authority. He probably got a thrill out of being able to stop people on the road and take from them. Don't you think? Don't you know, people, that it's just a thrill to be able to get you to do something just because they can? It doesn't have any benefit, but they can. So here, do this. Why? Because I said to do that. And I believe probably part of that was in Zacchaeus' life as well, but then here, once he confesses Christ as Lord, he says, I, none of that stuff matters anymore. My life has been changed and transformed. And not only does he call Jesus Lord, he immediately begins to act like Jesus is Lord. You see, I think that's part of the disconnect in our lives. We, we might call Jesus Lord, but we don't act like he really is. You say, Pastor, are, are you saying you're, you're always right and you're always on? No, sometimes I act like he's not Lord of situations myself. I get worried, I get feared, and, I, all, and I'm thinking, Lord, you're Lord, and he says, really? 
Act like it. Act like I'm Lord. Trust me in this. Trust me in this. Let me truly be Lord of this circumstance or this situation. Luke chapter 3, verse 8, the New Living Translation says this, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. You see, yeah, we got the kids quite riled up this morning, don't we? That's all right. I love them. What would we be like without babies? Come on now. We're going to just keep loving on them and say, bring them up, bring more. Bring more. We love them. Jesus then said this, and Jesus said to him in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. You see, Zacchaeus found Christ. He had an experience with the Master. He had an experience with the one who could truly do something in his life. Didn't want to be left out, did you, little fellow? Oh, bless the little children. Amen. And then we see the restoration that took place. You see, what, what Zacchaeus had done because of his decisions in life is he had been kind of excommunicated from the Jewish community. You know, it was quite, it was quite a deal. The Jews were quite a tight-knit group. I mean, it was important to be recognized as a Jew. And yet, because of his choices, he could no longer be, would no longer be recognized as one of the group. He was an outcast from the Jewish society because of his choices. But what Jesus has said here in this scripture is, listen, he's restored. See, we all need that restoration. And the good part about that is that Christ is always ready to restore. You see, the, in man's eyes, many times we find that restoration hard until we think, wow, you know, he restored me. We sometimes find it hard to restore others, but we better realize that if we want to count ourselves as being restored, we need to be ready to restore others. There's a lot of scripture that talks about that, and we aren't going to go into it this morning. But Zacchaeus here recognized that Jesus was restoring him. Back into, a, into the Jewish community, yes, but even so much further than that. See, Zacchaeus, by his choices, had voluntarily given away that privilege and that pride of being a Jew. But here we find in, in this simple encounter with Christ, a complete restoration. By Zacchaeus acknowledging Christ as Lord, as Jesus as Lord, things changed. Does that mean Zacchaeus was never going to have any problems again? No. Does that mean Zacchaeus was never going to struggle and, and fall? No. That, no. But what it meant was Christ had said, listen, Zacchaeus, you are restored. No longer do you have to be 
looked at as an outcast. No longer do you have to be in disgrace. No longer do you have to, to hang your head, but you are restored. And I think that's a message of hope that we can have this morning, that we can be completely and totally restored. And Jesus made a point of making sure this announcement was made in front of the crowd. In front of those who were mad that Jesus went into the house of the sinner. And Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save lost. He wasn't saying that Zacchaeus wasn't lost. He wasn't saying that, well, he's okay, you know, he can keep doing what he's doing. He says, wait a minute, that's why I came. That's why I was brought into this earth as a baby. That's why I'm going to the cross here in just a little while. It's to seek and to save the lost. And then many times Jesus' quote was, I must be about my Father's business. The Father's business is that none perish, but that all have everlasting life. See, this morning as we close, I hope we can understand that Jesus is looking for lives to trans be transformed into His likeness. Jesus can take the most outcast, underdog we can think of, and if they will submit to Him, see, that's the key, if they will submit to Him, He can transform them. And you say, well, how are they, is that ever going to happen? It may take you or me to say just the right thing or do just the right thing that will plant that seed, that will give them that desire that will then end up in them having that transformation. You see, we can't just always expect someone else to spread the word. We can't always just expect someone else, well, that's somebody else's job to tell them about Jesus. Well, that's somebody else's job to be kind to them. That's someone else's job. He's looking for people that he can use to help transform others' lives. Can that be you this morning? The big story about this little man is a life completely changed. So this morning, maybe you feel too small, too inadequate. Not big enough, not strong enough, not smart enough not educated enough, not wealthy enough, not good enough. None of that is are obstacles that can't be overcome. None of those things should keep you from crying out to the Lord. Say, Lord, transform me. And then put legs behind it. Say, Lord, not only am I going to confess you as Lord, not only am I going to, even, even as a Christian, this is a struggle, not only am I going to call you Lord, but I'm going to live like you are my Lord. So I ask you this morning as we close, what is the big story God wants to write about your little self this morning? What is the big story that God has in store for little old you today? Are you willing to have that desire to see Jesus? That desire to respond to Him when He calls? That desire to acknowledge Him as Lord and that desire then as 
Lord, as your Lord, to live like He's your Lord. And this morning I ask you that because He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us, but ultimately it's our choice whether or not we follow it. He won't for that's the thing about it. He will not force us to follow his plan. He simply calls us and asks us to respond. Would you bow your head this morning? Lord, as we come to this closing of this service and your word and has been spoken and your Holy Spirit has already stirred our hearts. Lord, I ask that this would be more than a a message, more than a sermon, more than a scripture, more than a time together, but Lord, it would be an opportunity for transformation in our lives. Maybe, Lord, we need salvation today. I pray if there's one here, Lord, that needs salvation, that they would submit to you. Lord, maybe it's just a, a realizing in our lives that you're calling us to do more. You're calling us to act, to, to act like we have really allowed you to be Lord, to really live like followers of Jesus Christ in our lives, in our personal life, in our professional life. I don't know what at all it might entail this morning, Lord, but I ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to recognize our need to respond to whatever your Holy Spirit calls us to today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I, I, I would just ask this question. Do you recognize yourself in Zacchaeus this morning? Do you recognize that there are things in your life that you need to totally submit to Him and then live out His Lordship in your life? If that's you this morning, I'm just asking you to raise your hand so that we can pray with you this morning. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, thank you for your honesty this morning. And also I would ask if there were one here this morning who doesn't know Jesus as your Lord, who hasn't professed your faith in Christ and, and, and asked Him to forgive you of your sins, I would just ask you to raise your hand this morning that I could pray with you. Because He is here today. He is here today to bring forgiveness and grace and mercy so that then you can begin to be the person that He has called you to be. Would that be you this morning? Lord, I thank you for the willingness of our hearts to respond to you. And God, many hands were raised saying they just need to submit to you as Lord in parts of their life, areas of their life. And God, I know the world is looking for us as Christians to fail and to fall. And God, sometimes we give them what they want. But God, you're a God of restoration. You're a God of hope. And God, you are a God that just desires to give us uh, victory in life and and help us, Lord God, this morning as we submit to your Lordship that we would have that victory today, that, that the world would see us as, as victorious in life. God, may you help us to totally submit to your Lordship in this place. Those who raised their hands this morning, God, they are recognizing maybe specific areas of their life. Maybe it's just one specific thing that they're struggling with. Lord, help them to allow your Lordship in their life in that area. And maybe it's just a continual struggle with many things, God. I pray that today will be a day of transformation. That your Lordship would truly be lived out in their day-to-day -day lives. Lord, I thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your mercy. Help us, Lord, as we go today to live it out, that our feet would walk out the faith 
that we are proclaiming in you today. And I thank you for